0: Now it is my pleasure to present to you No Spin Homilies. Today we begin the great season of Advent, and it's a season that is rich with symbolism. First and foremost, purple. You may see the sanctuary in your church bedecked by purple, purple banners, purple altar cloth. Maybe the priest is wearing a purple chasuble. Why purple? Well, in the ancient world, purple is the color of royalty. Kings and queens and princes always wore purple. It was an outward expression of their status that they were royal people. Well, we do the same thing. We decorate our sanctuaries and our churches with purple to tell the whole world that we are preparing to celebrate the birth of our King, Jesus Christ. How about the Advent wreath? The Advent wreath, circular, a circle has no beginning or end. Jesus always referred to himself as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. How about the candles? We light the candles each subsequent week. We light more and more candles. Well, the candles essentially are symbolic of us approaching nearer and nearer the birth of the light of the world. Jesus Christ truly is the light of the world. How about the word itself, Advent? It comes from the Latin word Adventus, which means to wait. And so Advent is a season of waiting. And you know, there's a great spiritual element of waiting, rich in biblical history. The scripture readings for this weekend are perfect. The first reading from the book of the prophet Jeremiah, he says, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I have made to the house of Israel and Judah. In those days, in that time, I will raise up from David a just shoot. Jeremiah here is addressing a people that are waiting. The Israelites right now are slaves to the Babylonians. They've been conquered by them. And now Jeremiah is addressing the Israelites. The dynasty that was once begun by King David is now ended. That's right. Jeremiah refers to it as a stump. Now, here in our Christmas season, we can probably appreciate this analogy. You go out into a forest, you pick out a nice Christmas tree, and you chop it down. You bring it to your house and then you decorate it. Well, that's great. But what do you leave in the forest? You leave a stump, which is the end of that tree. Well, that's what Jeremiah is referring to. The fall of the dynasty of the Israelites. It's no longer going to be there. It's ended. And yet, what does Jeremiah say? A shoot will grow from that stump, which means what? A new dynasty will be created a dynasty that is far greater than the dynasty of King David, dynasty that will be forever, perpetual, eternal. It will never end. The king of that dynasty will be Jesus Christ himself. That's why Jeremiah's message is truly a message of hope for a people that feel nothing but hopelessness. More to it, Jeremiah is encouraging the Israelites now to wait, wait for the new Messiah to come. And when the Messiah comes, he will reconcile the Israelites back to God. He'll restore the Israelites as God's chosen people, God's holy nation. And yet, what's the key? They have to wait and wait patiently. And see, that's why Advent is the season of waiting. Waiting is a great spiritual exercise. We see this up and down sacred scripture, people waiting. Give you some examples. Take Joseph. Joseph receives this dream in which his older brothers are bowing down to him, in which he has a position of great power. Now, does that dream come to reality immediately? No. We all know the story of Joseph. His older brothers are insanely jealous of him. They sell him into slavery. Joseph goes to Egypt. He lives there as a slave. He's falsely accused of a crime he never committed and ends up in an Egyptian prison. After seven years, the Egyptian king finds out about Joseph and the special powers that he has to interpret dreams. Joseph then rises up to a very prominent and powerful position in the Egyptian government. And yet, none of that would have happened unless Joseph waited. Take, for example, Paul. Paul, after his conversion on the road to Damascus, he doesn't immediately begin to evangelize. He doesn't immediately begin to work as an apostle. No, instead he flees into the Arabian desert as he writes in Galatians chapter 1 verse 17. Only after three years in the desert does he come and make his way back to the apostles. Paul knew that he needed to wait. He needed a period of preparation so that he could properly receive all the graces and the gifts that God wanted him to receive for him to be a great apostle. And so Advent is a season of waiting and that's good for us, but it's not easy, is it? We are a society that hates to wait. We hate to wait in line. We hate to wait in traffic. We hate it when we go to our physician's office We go there on time for the appointment, we're ushered into an examining room, and then we wait for twenty to twenty five minutes for the physician to finally come in. We are a people that are constantly on the go. We can drive up to any window and get food, get our laundry, get our prescription filled, get our all banking done, and then move on to the next thing. We are a people that it takes pride for being on the go. And yet Now the church asks us to wait. Again, that's a good spiritual exercise. Why? Because we begin to understand that we and God have different timetables. Our God is a God that governs the universe. He stands outside. He transcends time and space. Unfortunately, time and space govern us. Days, weeks, months, years— are instantaneous for God. What may appear as an eternity for us is a blink in the eye for God. That's why the psalmist says, Lord, a thousand years are like a day for you. The great spiritual writer Thomas Merton, he once said, if we are on the wrong path, the worst thing that we could do is travel quickly down that path. Well, isn't that so true? If we are truly on the right path, the path that leads to Christ, we know our final destination. We know where we'll end. Heaven, redemption, eternal life with God. Whether we travel down that path quickly or slowly, it doesn't make a difference. We know the final destination. And yet, if we're traveling down the wrong path away from God, and worse yet, we're traveling down it quickly, we're moving more and more away from God. You know, it's great analogy is that classic joke of the pilot. Halfway through the trip, he gets on the overhead mic and he tells the people on the plane, "I've got some good news and some bad news. The bad news is I'm totally lost. I don't know where we are and I don't know where we're going. The good news is we're making good time." Well, that's crazy. And see, this is what Merton is talking about. God gives us this great season of Advent to help us realize or recognize the path that we're walking on. If it's a path that leads to Christ, great. Stay on it. Walk it quickly or slowly. Just stay on it. But if it's a path that leads away from Christ, we have to stop, wait, and then get on the path that leads to God. See, that's what Christ is getting at in the gospel. He gives us another reason why we must wait for our hearts to be properly prepared to receive all that God intends to give us when we celebrate the birth of his son. What is God doing during the season of Advent, the season of waiting? Well, he's pulling and he's stretching our hearts such that what? At the very end of Advent, our hearts have expanded enough to fully receive all of God's graces and all of his blessings that he intends to give us as we celebrate the birth of his son. Take it a step further if we were to simply bypass Advent and immediately celebrate Christmas, we would take Christmas for granted. We wouldn't truly appreciate it. More to it, our hearts would not have effectively expanded enough to receive all of God's graces and blessings as we celebrate the birth of his son. Let me elaborate on this a little bit more. Go back to Joseph. When Joseph received that dream of his brothers bowing down before him and he having this powerful position, Joseph was a very little boy. He was a young man. And yet that dream didn't come true. And that's good. Why? Because Joseph, at his young boy, was very self-absorbed, he was very arrogant. If that dream did come true, Right at that moment when Joseph received that dream, for all intensive purposes, Joseph would have misused and abused that gift that God had given him. What was needed? A long period of discipline for Joseph. A period of waiting in which after a, an appointed period of time, Joseph was now prepared to receive God's gift, the position of power, and to use it not for his own interest, but for the interest of others to serve God's will. Take Paul. Paul, after his conversion on the road to Damascus, he did not immediately begin to become an apostle. And that's good. Why? Because if he did, people would say to Paul, Hey, Paul, yesterday you were the great persecutor of the church. And now today you're a great champion of that. Paul, we don't believe you. We don't trust you. We're not going to listen to you. Paul recognized that, and he needed a period of waiting, a period of preparation, so that after a certain period of time, now he was properly prepared to follow God's will. So, too, with us. Now, Advent is a time of waiting, a time in which we need to prepare ourselves to receive all of God's graces and all of his blessings as we celebrate the birth of his Son. So you say to yourself, okay, I get it. We have to wait, but I need help waiting. Well, what I want to do now is offer a few spiritual exercises to help you in waiting to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. First, focus on the Advent wreath. When you walk into your church, focus on the Advent wreath and the candles that are lit. This week, we light one candle. That one candle illuminates just a minimum amount of light, but after four weeks, all the candles are lit. All of them now illuminate a great deal of light. Well, allow your heart to open up so that in the coming weeks during the season of Advent, allow your heart to open such that the divine illuminating light of God's grace, love, and mercy illuminates you such that at the end of the season of Advent, Your heart is completely open so that God's divine illuminating light of his mercy, grace, and love fully shines through you. See, now you are prepared to receive the light of this world, Jesus Christ. Another spiritual exercise, spend time before the Blessed Sacrament. Just sit and pray before the Blessed Sacrament. You go nowhere, you pray, you wait. More to it, you are keeping watch. Like the shepherds did on the night Jesus was born. Another way, we'll pray for somebody and then tell that person you are praying for them. Not out of vanity, simply in the fact that when we find out that someone is praying for us, in fact, praying for us every day, we feel a sense of comfort in that. Two weeks ago, I presented a prayer shawl to a woman who was battling breast cancer. Now, this prayer shawl is a beautiful ministry. The people that make these shawls, every time they make a shawl, throughout the entire process, they are constantly praying for the person that this shawl will be given to. Well, as I presented this shawl to this woman who's battling breast cancer, I told her, every time you put this shawl around your shoulders and wrap yourself into it, feel yourself being wrapped into the prayers of this person that made this shawl. And she told me, I already feel it. See, that's just another way in which we can properly wait to receive God's grace. Friends, today we enter into the great season of Advent. It's a time of waiting, a time of preparation for us. It's good. It's good spiritual exercise. What we need to do is to allow God to stretch and pull and shape our hearts so that at the end of this Advent season, Now we are prepared that our hearts are fully expanded to receive all of God's graces and all of God's blessings that he intends to give us as we celebrate the birth of his son. May the grace and the peace of Jesus Christ rest upon you always.